Thanks, you guys. That was awesome. Cool. Good to see everyone tonight. Um, it's great to be here. Some of you guys know um, this is my birthday on Tuesday, I turned 30 this week. And um, yeah. And um, this, I've been doing this thing once a quarter, so once every three months, where I see a mentor of mine. Um, and he actually lives on an island, Coogee Mudlow Island off Victoria Point, and he has a retreat house on this island. So once every three months, I catch a ferry from Victoria Point to his house and spend some time on the island. So I say to Tam every few months, it's time for me to go to the island and um, go have a retreat. And I was meant to be last week, but it, it didn't work out and it ended up being that it was on the eve of my 30th birthday that I got to go have this um, personal retreat, have some just time to reflect and to think and really start. Um, that new season, which was really cool. Um, but Tam actually wrote me a letter um, to read on that night. And the start of the letter said, it's the eve of your 30th birthday, and you're on an island by yourself. That's what I get for marrying an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> so cool. So we're going to keep going with this series that um, we've been going through, going through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you've missed any of these, I really encourage you to catch up on the podcast. We're kind of trying to build. We started where Jesus starts with the, with the Beatitudes, and he says, bless to the poor in spirit, bless to those who mourn. Jesus just really starts where people are at, and then he builds, he builds this thing, and he, then he starts to talk about the, some of the laws in the Old Testament. We sort of touched on this last week, right? Jesus said um, he's not come to do away with the Old Testament. He's not come to do away with the Bible. He's come to fulfill them. And he's come to show us a new way to live in the kingdom of God. And where we kind of left off last week was this idea that, that Jesus calls us to live beyond the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, which probably sounds really strange. But it's these guys, right, who followed the laws of the Old Testament. They were like so strict about it. And Jesus says, we are to go beyond that. And you kind of think, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, are you saying we should be really, really strict and we should just make sure we really obey all the laws? Like, how does that work with grace? Like, that just doesn't seem to make any sense. But then as we go on and we realize what Jesus is teaching, Jesus is sort of taking the Old Testament commands and he's taking and going deeper into the heart behind them and to God's heart for how we actually live in his kingdom. Right? And we cannot follow them without his grace we can't follow them without being forgiven and freed from our sin, that what he achieved at the cross. But because of the cross, it doesn't mean we say, oh, well, we don't have to follow anything God says, like we can just do what we want. Like that's not the purpose. The purpose is that we actually get into this relationship with God, into the kingdom, and his grace forgives us and his grace empowers us to live into this new life. So what we're going to look at is, well, what, are, what is this new way of living from the heart that Jesus has? And as we go through it, we're going to be getting into some pretty tough stuff. Like, it gets, it gets quite challenging. And, and I just want to remind you of a few things. Firstly, this is Jesus saying these things. And Jesus is the Son of God. He's the expression of the Father. He loves us deeply. Everything he says is because he loves. Everything he does is in love. And he, dis he displayed that perfectly on the cross. So whenever we sort of hear something and we sort of think, whoa, that sounds a bit full on Jesus, Jesus' heart is always going to be love. And love sometimes says hard things. That, that love, to not say hard things sometimes is not loving. But so we just always come back to Jesus is loving. The same thing is sometimes he says things that seem like we need to follow them and do what he says. And that's true. But it's never that we have to earn 
that we have to make sure we really be really good and be really afraid and make sure we do the right thing. That's, that's not his heart because multiple times he says, do not fear. And he says that over and over again. Do not be afraid. Only believe. He says that again and again. So his goal is not to make us afraid, although he does give warnings of particular dangers. So we're going to look at that as we go through as well. And as we go through, so, so we're thinking about we're not earning but at the same time that he does want us to follow and live, and this does take effort on our part, it does take partnership, it does take cooperation with him. So these are some pretty um, tough verses um, that people interpret different ways. Um, so I'm going to kind of give you, give you my take after sort of studying and reading, and I'm still sort of growing in this as well. And then um, if there's things that are confusing you, I encourage you to engage with this to, to grapple with what Jesus says, that we want to take it seriously, we want to understand, we want to get the heart behind it, and we want to live it out, and we can do that together. So we're going to get started on the first one. This is Jesus and anger. So all of these, Jesus is going to say, he's going to refer to the Old Testament, and then he's going to give his take and how he fulfills it. So this is where he starts. This is Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So Jesus right here is, is referring back to the laws that God gave his people. He rescued them from Egypt and he, he was teaching them how to live in his, as his people. He was teaching them, these laws are a reflection of what God is like, right? That God values humans. That humans are made in his image. They're precious. God values life. Therefore, God says, you shall not take life. You shall not murder and God protects this and, and, and cares about this. So he says, if anyone murders, they will be subject to judgment because God values life so much. And this was the law, right? So this is the standard then. The thing to do in our relationships with each other is to not murder. And there's, there's other commands definitely to love, but this was, this was clear, right? Don't murder. And we talked about last week, right? Like that's, for most of us, a pretty easy command to keep. Like we don't normally struggle with that week to week, hopefully. Um, and this was like the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, right? They were like, okay, the law says don't murder. It's okay as long as you don't murder. It doesn't really matter what we say to people. It doesn't really matter how we feel about people. It doesn't really matter how we treat people as long as we don't murder them. And that can, we can, you, can, you can do a lot of bad stuff to someone and, and fall short of murdering them and keep that commandment, right? But Jesus wants to get to the heart behind this commandment and what actually leads to that. Like what actually leads to murder, like to take someone else's life. And we'll see Jesus says it starts far, far back in the heart. So this is Jesus' take. And he says, but I tell you. And again, this is Jesus demonstrating his authority. He's saying, this is what God spoke, but I tell you. Jesus has authority. He is the Son of God. He speaks with power that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. You see the parallel? Before he says anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But now he takes it way, way back to where it starts in the heart and he says anyone who is angry will be subject to judgment. He's really comparing murder and anger. And this righteousness that goes beyond the law is saying, well, just not murdering someone doesn't really fulfill God's desire for human relationships. God's desire for human relationships is that we actually don't hold on to anger towards each other. So there's a few things I just want to sort of teach into this 
a bit because some of the words in the original language help us understand. So Jesus is not saying it's wrong to be angry. Because again, we see there's times when Jesus gets angry. You might know the time when Jesus goes into the temple, even says that he goes and makes a whip and then like casts people out of the temple. Like he is angry. There's other times when Jesus is angry. The interesting thing about Jesus' anger, though, it's always for others. Other people are being mistreated. God is being mistreated. And Jesus is angry. When people attack Jesus, he just doesn't respond. So his anger is a really righteous, good anger. So that is possible, right? And anger, feeling angry as an emotion is not wrong. Like we can't control that. Like someone does something to you that, that hurts you or harms you or kind of tries to control you, the natural response, the emotion that comes up is anger. And that's, that's okay. Jesus is not talking about that. What he's, and, and he's not even, the, the word in the original language doesn't even really, it's not really even talking about like, like flaring up, like someone it, it, uh, says something to you and you just sort of flare up really quickly. It's not even really talking about that, although that's probably not good either. What it's really talking about is, is like a continual holding on to or agreeing with anger towards someone else. So, he's, so one, one translator translates this, um, anyone who harbors a grudge or holds on to a grudge. So it's not just an emotion, but it's an agreeing with that emotion. It's a holding on to that emotion. And maybe it's even like a building into it and to grow, growing it, that like, I'm angry at this person. I'm going to keep being angry. I'm going to fuel this anger. That's, that's kind of what he's talking about. So like I said, just, I mean, still blowing up at someone, that often happens because there's already anger there, right, that, that maybe have come from somewhere else. But this is, this is really this talking about agreeing with it and holding on to it. We kind of get this, again, this idea that, that he's not talking about the emotion particularly. There's this verse in Ephesians um, where Paul says, be angry and do not sin. So it's, it's possible to feel anger, but what matters is how we respond to it. What matters is, is whether we agree with it, whether we hold on to it, or we deal with it. And his, his, his command there is deal with it. Don't, don't let it cause you to sin. And then he even goes on in that verse in Ephesians, don't give an opportunity to the devil that, that, that the enemy can use that anger. So don't let that happen. Deal with it. Don't hold on to it. So this is, this is Jesus' teaching, right? And what, what we'll see, we're going to show you in a minute, that, that this is actually what leads all the way down this path to murder. But Jesus, in his kingdom of love, that God's desire for our relationships is not just that we don't murder but that we don't even harbor anger to each other. We don't hold grudges to each other. And this is radical, right? Like in this day that Jesus is speaking, like people think there's nothing wrong with this. Like as long as you don't murder, there's nothing wrong with just being angry at someone. There's nothing wrong with holding a grudge at someone. There's nothing wrong with imagining someone dying and kind of wishing they were dying. There's nothing wrong with that just as long as you don't murder. But Jesus says all of that in the heart is does not honor God, does not lead to life. Like that, that, that's really the point that he wants to deal with that. And same today, right? Like there's so much anger in the world and anger in society and it's just a, a thing that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. In many ways, it's even said that that's good. Like you should be angry. Someone did this to you, you should be angry at them. You should hold on to that. You should build it. Jesus says, no, that's not the way of his kingdom. He goes even further. He says this again, 
anyone who says to a brother or a sister, raka, that's like a word in the, I think it was Aramaic, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. This is pretty intense. I'm going to explain through and sort of teach, teach through this. So again, he's saying, right, he compares murder and judgment, and then he compares holding a grudge and judgment. Now he's talking about our language. And if we hold on to a grudge, if we hold on to anger towards someone, often this is going to spill out in our language. And again, normally we sort of think, oh, that's all right. Like, it's okay to call someone something. It doesn't really matter. But Jesus is saying that to, to call someone raka is kind of like an idiot. Like, they're just not smart. They have no intelligence. Like, any, any sort of word that just downplays someone is worthless. Like, they've just got nothing good to contribute. Like, any word that sort of says that to them is, is this raka idea. And then you fool, it's like a real a judgment on someone's character. It, it, the word, it's kind of like the, the word moron. There's probably lots of stronger words that we could use today to, to say that to somebody. Just that they're completely terrible, everything about them so bad. Like, there's plenty of words that people can use to say that. And the point is not even the word, right? The point is, is, is the heart and the expression and how the person feels. So Jesus is saying to harbor anger is worthy of judgment. To call someone an idiot is worth going before the court. And to call someone a fool or a moron or something worse than that is to be in danger of the fire of hell. And, and this, the word that's translated hell in this, this passage is, is Gehenna, which was an actual place in Israel. And it's this rubbish dump. There's a whole lot of history in the Old Testament about it. And it's just this, this place that's just like the worst, terrible place you'd ever want to go. Jesus is referring to a literal place there and saying that that's worthy of that, to do that to somebody. And this, this seems crazy, right? Like we think, no, it doesn't really matter. Like it's just a name. It's just a word. Like it's not a big deal. But Jesus is actually is, is putting these things together, saying actually the punishment for murder, the same punishment for harboring a grudge, the same punishment for calling someone that, the same punishment for, for using his stronger words at somebody. And this is getting to the heart behind the way God wants us to treat each other and his value of human life and human relationships. This is how one commentator put it here. He says, What is new in this command is that beyond the law that protects life, so God values life, you shall not murder. Jesus now protects persons, you shall not be angry. God, God so cares about people, and he so cares about our relationships, and his kingdom, right, is this kingdom of love. That this is, this is Jesus, who lives perfect love, dies for his enemies, and, and, and forgives sin, and this is then what he calls us to live into, that anger is not compatible with that. Anger is against love. And Jesus wants this kingdom of love. He wants loving relationships within, with each other. And therefore he speaks so strongly. So in his kingdom, th those offenses are worthy of those punishments. Like that's, that's how he sees those things. And this is why, because this is where it leads to, right? Like there's stages. This is... This is from John Mark Comer's message on this. He says, like, we start with something, right? Like, we just, someone offends us, someone hurts us, someone harms us, and we get angry. When we get angry because of this, we realize that, well, this has actually really wounded us. We're hurt. But then this keeps going. 
we start to play the victim. We sort of think everything, our, our life is so, such a struggle because of this person, because of this thing. Look, it's all their fault, it's not our fault. Then we give our heart over to contempt or self-righteousness. And this is really where the issue comes in massively, is that it's, it's not just feeling anger, right? It's agreeing with anger, and then anger leads to contempt, which is really looking down on someone, despising someone, rejecting someone. And this, this can even be not just like in personal relationships. It can be bigger than that, right? Like there can be contempt for, um, I don't know, like a different group that you're in competition with. It can be contempt for another generation. Generations can have contempt for each other, right? Nations can have contempt for each other. Um, political groups can have contempt for each other. And it leads to this anger, and, and one person attacks, so the other person attacks back, so the other person attacks back, and it gets worse and worse and worse. This then leaks out of our mouth. The harboring anger in our heart, contempt, beliefs about the other person, we're better than them, they're not worth anything. Then that starts to come out in our language, in the way we talk about them, in the way we talk to them. And this leads to hell on earth. Right, and we know this, right? Like, like we still often think like our words don't really matter that much, but they're incredibly powerful, and we all know just how powerful um, negative words and hateful words that have been spoken over us, just the damage that that's done. And sometimes we still think, oh, I'm only just calling them that, like it's not a big deal. But no, it, it leads to hell on earth. James, in the book of James, it talks about like the tongue being this, this fire that can just, just light a forest on fire with a word. And then this leads to all sorts of terrible things, right, that, that are prevalent in our culture, in our society, in our families. And it all starts way back there at the heart where, where someone offended us, someone hurt us, and we, we, instead of just dealing with that with our Father, instead of dealing with that in the kingdom, instead of expressing that to God and realizing that God loves us and God loves them, and the thing to do is not agree with anger, but to forgive and process and deal with that. If when we don't do that, instead we agree with this anger, we hold on to it, we give in to it, and then it grows and it builds, and eventually that's where it goes to. And Jesus is getting right back to the heart behind it and wanting to deal with that. And, and again, he, he just is, is wanting to say, like, his kingdom is so different, right? That, that in, in his kingdom, these things are serious offenses. And he does not want us to live in them for our own sake, for the damage that they do to us, that we are not being, we're not living into what it means to be human when we live with anger, to be humans, to reflect the love of God, to reflect, to love God, to love others. And we're degrading other people as well. So Jesus is saying this for our benefit and for others' benefit for his kingdom. And again, he's not saying, okay, so yeah, try really hard not to be angry because you have to earn your way. No, he gives us his grace and his forgiveness, but then he calls us into this way of life. And this is a hard word, right? This is a challenge. And maybe this is even really speaking to you tonight and it's starting to make you feel overwhelmed, um, maybe even guilty, 
just inadequate. How can this be possible? And this takes us all the way back to where Jesus started. And Jesus starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So if these words of Jesus bring a heaviness, they bring a conviction, they bring a sense of remorse, they bring a sense of desperation, they bring a sense of poverty, that's good, right? Because it brings us back to Him. I mean, we need Him. We can only do this with Him. We can only live in His kingdom with Him. And He brings us back to this place of His forgiveness and His grace and His empowerment and His love. So that, if that's happening, let it lead you back to Him to trust in Him. But then He goes on and He then gives some practical positive aspects of, well, how do we actually live in this kingdom? What, how, do we, how do we work towards this, right? Like we have to, we first trust in him, rest in him, and walk with him. But then he starts to give some almost like tips on like how to work this out. What does this look like? What does it look like to have a heart of, of love, a heart that's connected with God in his kingdom, so there's not, not anger, but love? This is, this is what he says, Matthew 5. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And now remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. This is like this principle, right, of, of be reconciled. Live reconciled relationships. Live, live friendly, close, loving relationships. And this is this example, right, of someone going to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice. Like maybe they're even going once for the year. And they may have walked like a long way. Like Jesus was in Galilee when he's preaching this. They've, they've walked all the way to Jerusalem. They've got their sacrifice. They've come all the way into the temple. They're at the altar. They're about to do it. And then they realize that they've actually hurt their brother. And they're back there, back at home. And they're angry. And they're, 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 there's this disconnect. There's this breakdown. Jesus says, Stop. That is more important than offering the sacrifice. Like that's a profound thing. Right. Jesus is saying, no, it's not, not, don't like come and worship God first and then go deal with your stuff. Jesus says, no, to worship God first, instead of that, go and deal with relationships first and then come and worship God. That in God's kingdom, he cares so much about our relationships and he so values that we be reconciled and live loving. And this is... This is not like a, a new law, like, okay, you can't come to church unless you've got all your, all your things figured. Like, that's not what he's saying, right? Like, he's saying this heart of love looks like that, that it, that it puts such priority on dealing with stuff that's breaking down relationships with people, and that it puts that priority above the ceremonial aspects of life. Because in that culture, the ceremonial aspects would be so, so important. Jesus is saying, no, the relational aspects are more important, and, and deal with that first. And this is what that heart looks like. Then he says, this, settle matters quickly with your adversity who is taking you to court. So imagine this now. There's someone who's upset at you, something that you've done. Today they're suing you. They're, they're, they're wanting to get even for something. He says, settle matters quickly with them. Deal with this quickly. Don't let it go on. Do it while you're still together on your way. Your adversity may hand you over to the judge, the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you're paid the last penny. 
Again, Jesus is saying someone has an accusation against you, someone is frustrated you, with you for something, someone has something they, they're wanting to take you to court for, deal with it as quickly as you can. Don't, don't try and make sure you get all your rights. Don't make life difficult for them. Don't just try and fight them. Don't just try and take them for all they've got so you can just protect yourself and defend yourself. Jesus says, no, live in this kingdom of love with God as a father. And, and value this person and love this person and seek to reconcile and seek to do all you can to be at peace now. Because if you, if you don't do that, if you just sort of demand your rights, if you just sort of go through all the legal system, it, it, it may not end well for you, is basically what he's saying. And this, this is a warning, right? And it's just trying to prioritize the need to reconcile and to, and to do everything we can to be at peace with everybody else. This is, this is from Romans as well. And again, this is not like a legalistic thing. It's not like you can never go to court. That's, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying if someone is demanding like um, a settlement for something that you just give in to whatever they want, because that might not be the loving thing to do. That might not be the best thing to do. But it's this heart of even when people are against you, to love them, to care, to seek to be reconciled, to have a high priority on this, a high value on this. So the, the positive steps to take to deal with anger is to so value reconciled, loving relationships with people as much as it's on us. And, and we may not be able to have that because it's two ways, right? Like maybe there's, there's a need to reconcile with someone and you take a step and they're not interested and, and you can't control that. But it's, but it's our part to play, to, to do what we can to live that way. So this, this, is, this is Jesus, this is going beyond, again, the, the, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. It's not just about keeping these, these rules, but about living in this kingdom of love. And this kingdom of love is one that is the greatest commandment, right? to love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love neighbor as yourself. That this is what everything's heading towards. That, that, that one day the earth will be filled with love where everyone's in right relationship with God, everyone's in right loving relationship with each other, and that that's God's desire, and that we actually get to walk in that and live in that, and to not do that is to head away from life. Like The, the issue is life and the kingdom. To, to refuse that is to refuse the, the way, the path of life, and to turn back. This is what Paul says in, in Romans 6. He says, like, we've, we've died with Christ, We've been crucified with Christ. We're forgiven. We're dead to the power of sin. Therefore, he says, don't give yourself to sin, but give yourself to life. Because if you give yourself to sin, that's heading to death. That's the path away from God. No, walk the path to God. Live in this way of love. It's not, it's not, this, like, it's not this self-protective, I have to earn it, I have to make sure I'm good. It's this, we believe Jesus. And therefore, we follow Jesus and live in his way. And his way is this kingdom of love. And this is like a high standard, right? And like I said, this is, this is Jesus speaking. This is, he's speaking in love. And, and this is impossible for us to keep by ourselves. But he did it. And he makes a way, and through relationship with him, and through walking with him, he actually desires that we walk that path and practice this life and live this life. We don't, we don't just say, well, we can't do it and Jesus did it, so now we're all good. That's true, but he says, then for I want you to walk it. I want you to grow in it. I want you to live in this kingdom. And we cannot do it, but he did it. This is what Tom Wright says about Jesus. Jesus himself 
refused to go the way of anger. Instead, he took the anger of his enemies within Israel and of Israel's own enemies, the Romans, onto himself and died under its load. Jesus took our anger, right, the anger that we've had towards him, towards others. Jesus took the anger that others have had towards us and he bore it. It, w- it was placed on him. And God has defeated it. And God has defeated sin. And he's done that to free us from its grasp so that then we can actually walk and live with him. He says this, from that point on, from Jesus' death and resurrection on, reconciliation is not simply an ideal we strive for. It is an achievement, an accomplishment, which we must, in turn, must now embody. That Jesus, in Christ God, was reconciling the world to himself. Right? That, that the world has broken God's laws. We have failed at this massively. Maybe we haven't murdered somebody, but we've all been angry, hold a grudge. We've all despised someone. We've probably all said hateful words to someone. Maybe we've even wished someone was dead. That we are, we, we have failed at this. But Jesus succeeded. And Jesus took all that on himself. And he did that by continual self-giving love that valued reconciliation so much that he laid down his life. And he gives that to us, and then he calls us to live in that kingdom as well. And that kingdom looks like love. It's, it's the way of love. It's the way of self-giving, self-sacrificing, bearing it. Instead of, when someone's angry at us, instead of retaliating, submitting to God and loving them and seeking reconciliation. And that's only possible by his spirit and by his grace and by his power But that's what he calls us into. And particularly, right, in the church. Like like the reality is that that we are one. That that we are reconciled. Spiritually, that, that there's one body. We are one. We're united in Christ. This is the truth. And therefore, God wants us to embody that. He wants us to live that out, to live reconciled lives, to be at peace with one another. That, that we particularly can't be people who are harboring anger, especially towards our other brothers and sisters. We cannot be people who are harboring grudges and holding on. We cannot be people who are speaking hateful words to other brothers and sisters. That we are to be people who are known by their love for each other. That's actually God's desire for us. That we're to actually live into that and know that. And again, we need him for that. And we come back to poor in spirit, mourning, hungering, thirsting, waiting for God. We need his wisdom in that. We need his encouragement in that. We need his help. But that is the path. It's the, we're talking about the way of Jesus, following Jesus, that we walk in this, we grow in this, we deal with this together. So tonight, maybe God's speaking to you about some stuff that you just need to sort of work through and, and, and pray through and, and think through. Maybe there's something there that's right there that's like really clear. There's somebody right now that you know you have to get right with. And I just encourage you to listen to that and, and to deal with that. We're going to come to take communion. And, and particularly before we take communion, I just encourage you just to take some time to think about that. To think about this God of love who loves us and therefore calls us to love him and love each other 
as we come to take communion, maybe just, just take some time. Like, is there somebody that you need to get right with? Is there someone that you need to talk to? And just encourage you to do that as soon as you can, to do that as quickly as possible, to seek God in that. And at the same time, as we come and we remember the cross, remember that he's taken this sin, he's, he's freed us from sin, he's taken it on himself, and he gives us his grace and power to walk in that. So as we do that, just, just know that if, if you're feeling guilty tonight, you are forgiven. If you're feeling condemned, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And just look at him and trust him and allow him to work this out in your life. So I'm going to pray and, and um, maybe one of you guys want to play some music and then um, come and take communion when you're ready and we'll respond. Father, we just thank you that, that you are a God of love. And, and you so value life, and you so value people, and you so value your creation. And God, that we have often not, and we have failed at that. And God, we just thank you that you love us and you forgive us, that your, your, your love is so, so high that you would die for us, that you would free us, that you'd redeem us, that you'd forgive us. And Father, we just pray for a deep revelation of that. And then God, you call us in response to be people who live in your kingdom of love and who love others and who sacrifice for others and who forgive others as we've been forgiven, who, who even carry um, and bear the weight, Lord, and even, even suffer walking this way, the way of love. And Jesus, we just say we need you and your, your power and your strength to be able to do that and just pray that you would work that out in us. And Father, just pray tonight, just yeah, for a real sense of your presence and your spirit and your love, that you would free us from the power of anger. Lord, free us from broken relationships and grow us in your kingdom, we pray in your name. So Father, we just pray that you'd meet us in this time. And if, if, if anyone needs prayer tonight, there'll be a few of us up the back and, and please feel free to come and get prayer um, but otherwise come and get communion we'll worship to finish as well